1: So how do you get and keep kids interested in hunting? Well, you guys have been asking the question for a while. And today I have a special guest who knows way more about it than I do. This episode is going to be awesome. Hey, this is George with the New Hunter's Guide podcast and YouTube channel, helping new hunters get started and bringing new insights to all hunters. Today, we have a show topic that you guys have been requesting for quite some time. And I know a little bit about the subject. Um, I know enough to talk about it intelligently, but I never really felt like I had enough depth to really dig into this and sink my teeth into it. And so today I am super excited and thankful to have a special guest with us today who has really made it his business, literally and figuratively, to dig into this space. Uh, He has written on the subject. He is a lifelong hunter, pastor, YouTuber, and author. Uh, Jack Armstrong, thank you so much for being with us today, sir. I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me, George. It's uh, exciting, and uh, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to run through some of this stuff we've been talking about so that the whole world can hear about it it's going to
1: be good. Yeah. Now let me just tell a little bit of the backstory because obviously nobody listening to this is going to know, but I was just minding my own business one day doing my thing, posting shows and you or YouTube videos and podcasting. And, uh, Jack sent me a message one day and said, Hey, you know, um, just wondering if you were interested in, uh, you know, going a little more in depth on this subject and, and, you know, Uh, just getting into the details a little bit about raising kids and hunting. And he let me know that he had a book. And if I was interested, uh, he'd be happy to send me a copy. So I said, sure. The book came in the mail uh, a little while later. And uh, Jack, I think I even came like that night and sent you a, a message and said, you know, this book is not what I was expecting. I thought I was gonna get like a storybook with pictures and you know something for little ones, and it was a book book. I mean, like a real full size book, all words and pages. And I was like, man, I don't know if my seven year old is is uh you know is, is up for this. He's certainly not gonna be able to read it. And you had mentioned that, um, basically, you know the book is there for older kids to read, but it's also designed for parents to read the book to their kids and I thought, well, I never tried anything like that, so i I let it sit on the shelf for a little while, and then I came back to it a couple days later. I was like, you know what, what's the worst that could happen so i I got him ready for bedtime a little early the one night and just opened the book, and he was kind of confused because there weren't any pictures, and we just started into it. And by the second or third day, something magical happened. He started talking about how this was his favorite book ever. And all sorts of lights started going on and and blinking in my brain uh, about what was happening here. And uh, this particular book I'm talking about is called Mystery in the Marsh, uh, that Jack wrote about duck hunting and um, a number of things that, that go into that story. We'll talk more about it here. But it just started a conversation and a completely different line of thinking in terms of raising kids to want to hunt and to stay in the outdoors. And the the further I went on this, the more I started thinking about it, learning it, watching it unfold in front of me. One thing led to another, and then there was a whole chain of events that that I'll get into uh, at some point as we go here. But it really began to revolutionize the way that I looked at the subject of teaching and trying to instill um, that desire for hunting and that lifestyle and, and breaking away from the concrete jungle and from digital stuff and just... Uh, you know, trying to to impart something that is sort of counterculture these days, but I think in it has extreme value. And so, uh, Jack, in just a few short months, you have really just completely changed and and multiplied my perspective on this subject. So I want to thank you for that. Uh, but I want to just dive in here first and just give you a little bit of an opportunity to uh maybe share a little bit of your philosophy on how do we raise kids to have a value for the outdoors for hunting for fishing want to hunt want to get out there you know just tell me a little bit about how these kind of things turn around in your mind
2: yeah so uh first of all let me just say that's awesome man I appreciate those kind words that's that's like the goal for me writing the book to start with is to provide something that is exciting to read, but yet produces a desire for kids to get outside and explore the outdoors and uh, to want to go do that type of stuff. So, uh, you know, all my books are going to teach a positive character trait and they're going to have some type of redemptive theme that's underlying the meta narrative. But uh, the goal of all of them is to get families to enjoy something together that produces a desire within them to go and enjoy it uh not just in their imagination, but together outside. You know, you think about uh, families are meant to be together. And uh, too many times, I think a lot of a lot of dads are kind of seen as, you know, we just take off to the hunting camp and get away from the wife and kids. But that's not how it's supposed to be. You know, we're uh, sure we might have those guy times or, uh, you know, our wives might have the uh, the girls day or something like that. But Uh, you know, the way the family is meant to work is to be together. And, uh, you know, I know like if you're raising a a house full of girls, (laughs) it's, uh, it's going to be more of a challenge and they may not just love to get outside and go hunting or fishing with dad. But, uh, you know, if you, uh, you can still make that happen, but also if you, if you got boys, man, this is, this is, this is how, this is what they're made for, man. They're made to get out and get outside and enjoy God's creation and, um, be wild i mean that's that's how they were made so uh you know my goal in this book is to build their imagination to where they have to get outside and put their hands on it and uh just to hear you say you know that that it's changed how y'all do things that's that's encouraging and i'll just say something real quick before i get into like the actual hunting part uh you know reading together is something that we always did i mean even before Uh, Our kids were even old enough to understand probably what we were even saying. You know, they couldn't even talk. And we were reading the little Jesus storybook Bible to them at night or, uh, you know, uh, Pilgrim's Progress for Young Minds, things like that. So uh, or I I think it's actually called like uh, Little Pilgrim's uh, Big Journey or something like that. Anyways, uh, you know, we would read stuff to them. And uh, so I started I started seeing like benefits just from that aspect. And, uh, you know, you see researchers that have looked at all different types of benefits from reading to your kids together at night. Uh, so, you know, and even more so than just your kid taking a book to bed and reading it by himself when he's able, but you're, if, if parents are willing and able to read to their kids at night, here's a few of the things that you can expect to see. You can expect to see uh, a contribution to brain development at an earlier age. So, uh, you know, reading to your kids at night, it forces their brain to, to expand its knowledge because they're hearing words that they may not necessarily hear from Bluey or from whatever they're watching on TV or even from, uh, you know, their friends at school. So it's, it's causing them to enhance their language skills and their uh, English interpretation even. I mean, it, it's just doing that type of stuff. It also improves their logic skills and, uh, you know, your kids will be, uh, they'll be able to see things, that take place and understand what's happening rather than just see it, they can process it a little bit better. Uh, but also this might be something that a lot of the parents of younger kids would love to know that research has shown that when you read to your kids at night, uh, even if it's not a chapter book, even if it's just like a little picture book with a little, a few words, like just small story books that the kids sleep better and the parents sleep better. So like, that's an amazing, that's an amazing fact of research that, uh, you know, it should help a lot of parents. So no longer do you need melatonin, just read mystery in the marsh. Right. Uh, but then also this is my favorite part, uh, more so than getting some good sleep is that, uh, it's proven for the kid to grow a better imagination. So, uh, that's what I think a lot of the kids nowadays are missing that my generation has, uh, your generation, I think we're about the same age, but, you know, when we were little, uh, we would, build forts and stay out till the streetlights came on at night. And uh, and it's so much different just because the times have changed. And I think what has happened is our kids don't have near the imagination that they used to. So, uh, you know, several studies have found that when you read together at night, uh, they're growing that imagination because their minds are hearing what's being said. And then they're processing that into a visual representation in their mind. Uh, that is growing their imagination. So my goal knowing that was to write in such a way that when they heard that and they process that information into uh, or in their imagination, it made them crave wanting to experience some of those same things. Now, I know some people living in the North won't ever be able to go get in a boat and go to the marsh in South Louisiana, but uh, they can get outside and play uh, like they are in a marsh in South Louisiana. So... Uh, you know, I, I just I wanted to hone in on that last benefit of imagination, and uh, you know, just hearing hearing the way you talk about it is uh, that's that's just awesome uh, that it has worked out that way. So,
1: you know, Jack, real real interesting tidbit here for maybe some of the people listening. Uh, we have never been much of readers. <clears throat> um, you know, when I was a kid, my parents would read storybooks to me. You know, Little Engine That Could or whatever. But I cannot recall one single memory of either of my parents ever sitting down and reading a book. And, um, you know, my seven-year-old, he is high energy. He is go, run, jump, scream, wrestle, build. I mean, he would go 24 hours a day until he passed out and then got up and just picked up where he left off, not even realizing anything happened. And um, to me, I was like, I cannot for one moment imagine that this is going to work out. But I started reading, and within a few minutes, he was hooked. And, And, you know, a couple days in, it was obvious. I mean, he is hooked. I mean, he might like fidget with his hands or, you know, you know play with some kind of, you know, little squishy thing or something while we're sitting there. But he was hooked into the story. If you had told me that you could sit down and read a book and this kid would just sit there and listen to it, I would have tell you that could never happen. Um, But I watched it happen. I was like, this is unbelievable. And then a couple weeks later, I mean, this is all brand new to me. I, I, I don't have a house full of kids. He's the he's the first one. And uh, you know his teacher starts sending home to parents asking them to read to their kid in order to help the kids reading, and I just sat there and said, "Wait, hold on, that's that that didn't compute in my brain." I had to dig a little bit deeper into that and realize it's when they're when you read to them they're hearing the words, they're developing vocabulary, they're understanding context cues and everything else. And then it equips them and prepares them in order then to learn how to spell and recognize and read the word um, on their own. And it's one of the best things you can do to help them read by reading to them. And I thought, this is, this is crazy, but we read, and we read, and we read, and we got through this book, and we went into the next book, and we went into the next book, and we went into the next book, and I think we're in the book number five at this point, and it's only been, I don't know, like three, two, three months, something like that. Just cannot even imagine uh, you know what was happening. So if you're listening to this, and you're saying, yeah, that'll never work with my kid, or my kid's too young, or uh, or even my kid's too old... I would, uh, I'd say you might not be, you might not know everything about it because I thought I knew everything about it. And then I started doing it on just a, hey, what do you got to lose kind of approach and total game changer. Um, and there's a whole nother piece to it about the relationship building through the reading. And maybe we'll get into that a little bit later. But, um, you know, I just wanted to throw that in there for the for the listeners that might, you know, just... Not quite sure how to process this. They're they're, they coming into this episode maybe thinking about well you know the way you get kids interested in the outdoors is go hunting with them and we will talk about that. But this is something that got me started in this space that you can do year round when hunting season's not in, in between hunts, in between you know opportunities to go outside when the weather's terrible. Um, there's so much going on here and didn't mean to steal your thunder, but I just felt compelled to, to stick that in. Go ahead.
2: And and there's so much about like getting your kid excited for it, like building that anticipation in your kid, uh, that goes along with them wanting to go hunting because, uh, you know, I mean, we don't ever want to drag our kids hunting with us, but uh, we want them to want to go. So I think if you can build that anticipation, uh, kind of what we, what we did, like my kids just. I don't know. It's just like natural for them to want to go with me and do that type of stuff once they hit about age five or so. Uh, But I still like to get them excited about it. And uh, so what I did is...
0: Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Boat Trader,
3: America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started.
2: I'm sure you'll mention it at some point, but Lane Walker, uh, I'm sure he doesn't mind the free advertisement, but uh, that's, that's kind of what really got me going uh, on writing a book. So uh, the Lucky Luke series, which is Kevin Lovegreen, that's where we started. I, you know, like I said, we always just read, but we never read any kind of hunting books because we didn't know they were out there. And then uh, one night I was scrolling through Facebook, I think, and I saw an ad for uh, Kevin Lovegreen, Lucky Luke series, and uh, I had a picture of a kid hunting, and I said, oh, we might add that. So I, I ordered the Lucky Loop, and then I ordered the whole Lucky Loop series. I think my mother-in-law actually bought it for us, and uh, we read those, and uh, and we got done with those, and I just happened to see Lane Walker. So we ordered uh, his uh, Hometown hunters series, I think. And uh, that's where it really started for my boys because – we would try to read like a chapter a night. So when we were reading the Lucky Luke stuff, it was a chapter a night, go to, you know, say our bedtime prayers and go to sleep. But when we got to Lane Walker, it's just a little more advanced than Lucky Luke. Like it's a little more in depth. And uh, like every night we would, we would finish the chapter and they would both like sit up and be like, one more, daddy, please one more, please one more. And uh, if I would look, if it was a short enough chapter, we'd read one more, you know, it was just like, they were craving it. So, uh, he has like turkey hunting book, deer hunting books, duck hunting books. And what I would try to do was schedule them, uh, to where it was like getting close to youth season for that particular sport. And we would read that book leading up to, uh, like we would read the, the turkey hunting book leading up to turkey season. So they were just fired up. Their imagination was, uh, you know, ready to, to experience everything that they had uh, read from, uh, uh lane walker so um anyway we read all of his books and uh we we got to the last one like what are we gonna do and uh they, my kids were just like hey tell us some stories dad tell us some of your hunting stories so i was starting to tell some and then I, they just clicked and i was like why don't i write these down and make them fun so that's what i did and uh, that's where we that's where we got mystery in the Mars. that's where we got barracuda bombshell and um you know we got a bunch more in the works and uh, i'm not trying to steal kevin lovegreen's thunder i'm not trying to steal lane walker's thunder uh, i'm actually eternally grateful for both of those guys uh in opening this door for us but uh you know I, I would recommend going to buy their stuff too it's just it's so good we read lost deer camp by kevin or uh by lane walker and we got to the like the last few chapters i'm not going to spoil it but I couldn't read it. I had to like I started reading. It. I just had to hand it to my wife because I was over there crying. I was like, "This is a kids' book, but I'm I'm enjoying it more than they are." And uh, like it, it owned me when we got to the end, and because it was so good. But uh, you know, after you read Mystery in the Marsh, go buy uh, Barracuda Bombshell, and then you can go buy Lost Deer Camp. I mean, it's it's awesome. But uh, yeah, I don't even know how we got here. Uh,
1: I don't think there's any competition either because. You need all of these. I mean, if you would have told me six months ago I'd be buying books by the box set, (laughs) I'd have been like, yeah, right. To do what with? And now I'm like, well, what are we going to do once we finish the last box set? And I'm like, there's got to be more out there. So you need to start writing faster, Jack. And (laughs) otherwise, uh, I don't know what we're going to do.
2: Yeah. I mean, I enjoy writing it, but it's, uh, you know, it takes a lot of time to make it something worth reading, too. You know, I, I want it to be to the point where the kids are like, Oh, one more, one more. You can't stop there, dad. You know, that's, that's the goal.
1: You know, and there's, there's a, there's a, when you look at the bigger conversation about how to get kids interested in hunting, um, you know, there's a handful of basic things, right? One of them is you just model it, Mm -hmm. you know, kids see their dad hunting or their granddad hunting or their uncle hunting or, uh, you know, their mom or their aunt or whatever that's going to work in them to cultivate a desire to some degree. Yeah. Right. But if it's just seeing dad leave, you know, for a week at a time, you know, during the deer season, that only goes so far, right? They have to, they've got to see it unfolding. They've got to, you know, be able to taste it, so to speak, a little bit. From the dis from the distance, I know it's um popular these days to take your kids hunting younger and younger, and a lot of people you know I see pictures on Facebook posting photos of you know their six year old shot their first deer and things like that uh, and while I'm not necessarily opposed to that, there's only a percentage of children that are really developed enough to, to be able to, to do that, understand it, and appreciate it at those ages. And if, if you've got one, God bless you. Um, that's awesome. But for you know the majority of people, that's something that, that you really have to slowly work into as they get a little bit older. And then it leaves you wondering, okay, well, what can I do until... We reach that point. What can I do until we get there, or to supplement that? And so, you know, you've got things you can do, like you know, you could take them scouting, you can take them on a mock hunt, you can take them with you to you know check trail cams. You can uh, you know try to involve them in, in in some of the strategy, or just go for walks, go shed hunting, things like that. But I think the single biggest piece that all of those Connect into is building relationship with the person. Now I know just from the statistics, probably ninety percent of the people listening to this and are interested in this subject are gonna be dads, um, or you know uh, maybe some in the uncle category. Very few, you know, in in the other boxes. Um so I'm sorry if that's you we're not excluding you but I'm going to focus more on on the the dads for this piece of it just because I know it's going to be the most the majority of the people listening and that is when you're building relationship with your kids uh, around these kind of things it does more than them just seeing it from a distance and so back to the reading example um, you know, if a dad sits down and reads with their kids, it does something deep down on the inside. It, it, it fills a box, a void, a need inside the child's heart and development that they could have never identified that they had. You know, if other people read with them or take them out into the woods, take them out to do things, it has an impact but when a father or grandfather or uncle sits down with them or takes that time with them, it does something more. It has a different impact. It, it, it creates and leaves an impression. Um, and part of that is because, you know, especially for boys, you know god designed them in order to to model after and and look up to their dad or the male figures in their lives in order to to imprint that uh, to a degree on on themselves and learn and develop and grow and so if oftentimes i think what what people need to do and they don't see it is they just need to open the door a little bit? They need to invest a little more time. They, you know, to sit down and read a chapter is something that a lot of dads have never done, never thought of doing, would never imagine that that could make any difference. You know, maybe mom reads the books, or you know, maybe books aren't that important, or the kid just reads themselves. But for for dad to do it, for dad to take them out into the woods to go scouting for dad to take them out and, and, you know, sit in the blind with them for 20 minutes, um, you know, on, on a random day in the middle of the season, just so they can see what dad does when he's out there. Um, you know, whoever that male figure is in their life, that's doing it, it creates an impression that I I don't think we even, um, you know, have the, the 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 right language to describe psychologists do um but that's that's not what my degree's in and so um there's there's another piece to it yeah uh, and jack i'd invite you to to you know share a little bit more in in that area yeah so
2: i mean you know the way it goes your boys are gonna ask to go hunt i mean even when they're uh you know like two or three years old as soon as they can talk they're gonna want to go with dad And at that point, like it's probably wise not to take them all the time because they're not going to be ready. I mean, uh, it's it's probably, you know, they want it, they want, they like the idea of going with dad. But when they get out there and, you know, know what it's all about, they probably don't want to go. So uh, then the answer, it can't always be no. Like you need to take them at some point, even when they're tiny. Uh, But the answer is probably going to be no more than yes. But that pendulum has to swing from that with their the child's development to where the answer is almost always yes you know it's got it it can't always be yes but uh it's yes more than it is no uh, when you get a little bit more developed and that's going to depend on the kid I mean you know it it might be seven or eight for some it might be 10 or 12 for others it might even be older than that but uh you know I, I think it's important that the the answer can't always be no like it can't always be no, this is just what dad does. You know, you'll get to do it when you become a man. Uh, well, that's not raising a hunting buddy. You know, I mean, you see these shirts that say things like uh, some people wait their whole life for a hunting hunting partner. I'm raising mine. You know, I mean, that's, that's, what, that's the mindset we need to have. We need to be raising our hunting partner. And, uh, you know, like you're talking about a relationship, like there's so much more to hunting than going to a deer camp, waking up early and shooting an animal. I mean, there's so much more like there's relationships that are built and there's teaching that occurs when you're out in the wild, you know, and teaching them how animals move and and migrate and things like that. And then even like when you, uh, you know, when you take uh, animal's life, you know, I mean, that's that's a huge that's a huge step for a kid. There's a lot of emotions that take place. And um you know, I mean, I think both of my boys shed some tears, like tears of happiness. But also I think there's a, a few tears of grief, you know, just knowing that they took a life. But that's because in our household, we we embrace life like we, we promote life of, of everything, of all stages. You know, we're not going to just kill something to kill it. So what we want to do is we want to teach that what is happening is good. And uh, even though we're taking the life of an animal, Uh, you know, God, God designed us to do that. He tells us in Genesis that we are to have dominion over the birds of the air and the beast of the earth, you know, and, and uh, that we are to use that to sustain our lives. So, uh, you know, we even preach the gospel when we kill an animal, we always thank God for uh, the provision of the animal. But then we also, you know, I teach my boys, hey, look, we took this life, but this has given us life. And uh, I mean, what, what better interlude to the gospel than that, that something gave up its life so that we could live, you know I mean? That's, um, and you know, of course the gospel, not just something, but Jesus did that for us. So uh, I mean, I I think it's just important, you know, there is relationship aspect of the hunt that needs to take place. And that pendulum has to swing from mostly no when they're really little to mostly yes. And, uh, uh, and, you know, I think the way that that pendulum swings is that, you know, I've been talking about building the anticipation of the hunt and we, we do that through reading, but we do that through so many other ways. And you, you, uh, you mentioned some of them earlier, but uh, you know, I think it's important that you make your kids put in the work with you. So what they need to see is not just dad going to deer camp with his buddies and coming home with an animal. They need to see how much labor you put in, like they need to see the investment. So they need to go to the, the hunting club when you had the work days, and they need to ride on the tractor with you. Maybe if it's maybe even if it's in your lap with you holding on to them with one hand and the steering hill steering wheel with the other. You know, I mean, they need to be putting in that work. They need to build the blinds and plant the food plots and fill the feeders and check the cameras. You know, I think for my son's like sixth birthday. Uh, we got him a trail camera of his own so that he could go put it out when we went to go put out cameras and things like that. So
1: it's a great idea.
2: Uh, yeah. I think too many times, like we do all the work. So even when we take our kid hunt, like maybe, maybe our hunting clubs have a big youth day. And uh, you know, I know there's some of those down here and the hunt clubs will, uh, they have a big cookout after the hunt and things like that. But uh, it's almost like we, we build it up to that day and then it's done. So we set them up for success, meaning that we wake them up early and we take them to the blind and they shoot a deer. And all we've done is teach them to kill things. So what we need to be doing is teaching them how to invest and be a good steward of God's creation. We need to teach them how to uh, work the land and how to grow the animals and how to read their sign and things like that. And uh, and what that does, again, that just raises their anticipation of seeing the fruits of their labors. And
3: this upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Takovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more.
2: um you know also i think it's important to let them shoot things so you know when they go out uh even if they got their red rider bb gun let them shoot a tweety and then cut the breast out of it and eat it you know i mean uh let them let them shoot things when they're young or when they get a little older and they got a gun you know and that small buck walks out well you know i know we wouldn't shoot the small buck but if that kid wants to shoot it let him shoot it let him uh let him enjoy uh you know, the fruits of putting in the labor, he'll get to a point where he only wants to kill the, the good ones like dad. But uh, there's also a point where if it's got antlers, he's excited about it. And if it gets him excited, then don't, don't throw cold water on that fire, you know, fan that in the, uh, in the flame. And uh, here's just another tip that, uh, that I've seen like my kids get excited about. And, uh, you know, I, I mean, you, you mentioned it in my introduction, I'm a pastor, you know, pastors don't, have just a ton of money to spend on like fun things like this but i i've tried to save and i try to buy my kids good gear and uh i couldn't have always done that but with things like facebook marketplace and things like that where you can buy somebody else's good gear that they just outgrew like maybe they wore it for a season or two uh but you know if if, if you can get your kids some good gear let them outgrow it and then sell it on facebook and get them some more good gear uh, that fit them, you know, and then do the same thing, and then, uh, you know, I'm not saying, like, go buy them Sitka or Shin or something like that, you know, but uh, unless you want to, if you want to, that's cool, but uh, but still get them good gear so that they can enjoy the hunt, you know, if they go out with dad, and he's sitting there in, like, a Primaloft jacket and just warm as all get-out, and the kid's sitting there and, uh, you know, <laughs> shivering his tail off, he can't even enjoy uh, watching the deer walk around out there in the snow or something is going to be hard. So uh, I'd recommend getting your kid the best gear that you can. And uh, knowing that he's about to outgrow it because these kids grow like weeds. And uh, But still, you know, try to try to make it comfortable for them so that they can enjoy it. Uh, and then don't be too hard on them when they don't. You know, uh, there was a few years there that when my, my oldest son wanted to first start going hunting, uh, I made some mistakes. You know, I would be too hard on him. I'd be slipping down the trail to the shooting house, and he'd be just chomping through the trail to the shooting house behind me. You know, and I'd be shh, shh, shh the whole time, just, dude, you got to be quiet. You're going to run the deer off. And, uh, you know, I, I saw that kind of quench. Some of that excitement as I would do so. So, you know, I got to where I would tote them on my shoulders some so that they wouldn't have to worry about being really quiet, and they could just enjoy the walk. And um, I got to where I would – take snacks so that they could enjoy the the peanuts and the Snickers bars when we were sitting there and there wasn't anything moving or, um, you know, I got to where I would let them play a few games on my phone, turn it on, turn it on silent and just let them play a few, not the whole time because that kind of defeats the purpose of getting out there. But, uh, you know, maybe get them out of school, take them out there in the first 15 minutes or something, let them kind of play a few games and then settle in until dark and just enjoy what happens. So, uh, yeah, I, mean, I I know I'm talking a lot, but uh, that's uh, those are just a few of the things that uh, that I've seen be very productive uh, in in building anticipation and and uh, fanning into flame that excitement for being able to go with that.
1: Yeah, you keep talking, I'm just taking notes. This is good stuff, <laughs> um, and and I think to build on that, you know, I think too often we set expectations that are, you know, too high. You know, some kids they they maybe want to go with you and, and sit in the blind for four hours and um, you know just wait for something to move. Some kids they need to hunt a different way or they need to hunt a different thing. Yeah. Um, you know, it, 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 it's kind of like with turkey hunting. You know, you can you can just sit in a blind all day or you can run in a gun and and never sit still unless something's gobbling and coming towards you. Right. Yeah. There's different ways to hunt and different things that you can go out after. And I think finding the the right balance for your kid, their temperament, where they're at. Um, you know, I remember my kid first time he ever seriously wanted to go hunting. We were driving and uh, we were on our way to to go check some trail cameras, um, and it was in the middle of the day during turkey season. And then he was saying, you know, well, can we go hunting? And I'm like, well, I mean, maybe, I guess i do have my shotgun in the trunk and and i got my stuff and there's a blind by one of the cameras so i was like sure let's see how far this goes with uh, whatever he was six years old turkey hunting well we got to the blind and we got set in and you know he was quiet and still and enjoyed it for a good solid 15 minutes yeah. <laughs> um and then he was done yeah. and uh you know there was there was no hope of You know, shooting a turkey if if it got close enough to hear anything that was going on at that point. So instead of being frustrated or, or, you know, trying to put pressure on him, I was just like, yeah, no problem. Let's go. I didn't even necessarily come here to do this. So but uh, it gave him an experience. It gave him a little perspective and it didn't leave a negative Mm -hmm. on him. Right. Didn't, you know, make him feel like this is impossible. I can't ever do this. You know, I've got to be just as good as dad or any of that kind of thing. Um, you know, but there's so many different things you can hunt, you know, you know, push fields, hunt pheasants, yeah. you can, you can go after doves, you can mm-hmm. go after turkeys. Everybody likes to go after deer. Uh, it, it's like the default thing, but a deer actually may be one of the harder things yeah. for, for little ones, at least energetic ones to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To there's a lot after. of kids
2: that have been, uh, have grown a passion for hunting, uh just chasing dead doves that their dad had shot you know just being the retriever on a dove hunt i mean there's there's not much better way to get a kid in the field than take him to a a a fast action dove hunt and uh man, they love it you know give them a bb gun and let them run up to the dead one and shoot it again and make sure it's dead you know
1: oh yeah that's genius and you know you know as a parent and a hunter you know, when you're a hunter, you, you when you go out, you want to be successful. You want to make the most of your time. You want to maximize your chance of getting game, whether that's a deer or a limited ducks or whatever the case is. But you got to recalibrate your approach if you're going to try to get these kids engaged. No doubt. You
2: got to re uh, redefine success. That's what you got to do.
1: Yep. So maybe success on this hunt is them having a good time. Yep. Yep right? Yeah. Maybe success on another hunt is, uh, you know, them uh, making it an hour, you know, and then you're like, well, you know, you took all this time, you got out there, you did all this stuff. Yeah, but the goal is not just to, to take as many deer as you can take. The goal is to build a relationship, the goal is to, to get them engaged, to, to slowly over time, you know, break them into it and, you know, setting aside time to spend with your kid or your nephew or your grandkid, um, is valuable. And maybe you take them out turkey hunting and, you know, the first hour of the day is solid and then they've had enough. They're tired. All right. It's time to go to breakfast and then enjoy breakfast and, you know, talk about the fun things that happen as opposed to making them sit until nine or noon or whatever the case may be. Make them want to do it again and do it better the next time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and be talking about planning, you know, like, like give your kid a notebook and say, look, you need to be planning how you can get them the next time, you know, you missed him this time, be, be planning, be practicing, you know, just, I I just keep going back to building that anticipation, you know, it's all about uh, just being, it's all about the anticipation of the hunt, you know, how how you can build that in your kids, and then uh, when they ask to go, you know, don't don't always just let the answer be no. That's the thing. You know, too many times it's just no, and uh, it can't be that way.
1: And you know what? I I it, it reminds me back. I well, if it was last season or or the season before. You know, I went out opening day of archery deer season. I was in the blind for an hour, and buck walked out, took him, filled my tag. Season was over. Mm. You might say, wow, you hunted a whole hour that season. Is that it? I was like, I had a great season yeah. because I'd been in the woods all year. I had been planting clover. I'd been clearing brush. I've been breaking trails. I've been hanging cameras. I've been strategizing, you know, the photos and I've been picking the right spots and the right stands and the right locations. And Making videos about it and podcast episodes, and then you know, get out to go hunting, and I'm in the blind for an hour, and then I get my deer, and I'm like, that's the end of a great season that's been going on for about 11 months. And then that moment came, and you've got all that other stuff that you can engage them in and, and build that excitement in them with, and just all these things over the course of the entire year. And then you've got a one hour hunt and then people are like, yeah, but now you're done. I'm like, done, done. What are you crazy? Deer tags fill. That gives me more time to go after ducks and pheasants and geese and turkeys. There's no done. We're just switching from one exceptionally fun pursuit to the next exceptionally fun pursuit. And, um, you know, that first day I'd gone out with my kid and we, we didn't get anything. That was an opportunity to build time, to, to spend time with them, to show them that you care, that you care more about them than, you know, sitting there all day or all night or whatever the case may be. And that goes a long way, that, that builds something in them. Mm. And then they'll reach a point where they want to do it just as much or even more than you want to do it. And, you know, one season you can't get them to be quiet or sit still. And then the next season they may be laser focused, yeah. you know, but they would have never gotten there if you kept beating them up over not being quiet enough and holding me back, hold me down, yeah. you know, and, 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 these kinds of things And we're people. We, sometimes we have those feelings yeah. and you're like, ah, oh, I could maybe get a deer if we well, got to change that mentality. The goal is not to get a deer when you're taking a little one out. The, the the goal is, you know, we're, we're looking at a, a 10, 20, 30 year plan here on this relationship and and this kid. And, you know, even if it's not your kid, you're looking at something that's bigger, helping them develop, helping them mature, building your relationship with them, uh, showing them that somebody cares about them, that somebody's willing to take them out and not make them feel bad if they get cold or they get tired and, and all that kind of stuff. Right.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I, one of the things that, that kind of grew my love for hunting uh, when I was young, uh, every uh, Saturday morning, you know, you, you could wake up early and there would be the hunting shows. And I think they'd run to like 10 o'clock on Saturday mornings. And uh, I can't remember the channel. Maybe it was like TNT or something like that. But, uh, you know, we I, I woke up every Saturday morning. And uh, even if you know if I wasn't going hunting, I was watching those hunting shows. That's what I wanted to do and uh and back then you know hunting shows were good and you didn't have to worry about your kid hearing bad words and things like that And there's still plenty of those but uh you know with the with youtube and stuff like that everybody wants to follow the influencers so uh, i would recommend finding some like quality hunting channels on youtube and uh you know every time they have a new episode make it like an event you know get your kids and be like oh man Check this out. You know we watch Seek One. You know those guys are awesome, and uh, I think they I think they do a good thing. I think they they try to follow the Lord as much as as much as they can. And uh, anyway, we we really like their style of hunting and just kind of their style. So uh, my boys, man, every time there's a new Seek One, they know that they're not going to watch it without me, and I'm not going to watch it without them. Like we're going to do that together. And uh, so we just we we hear their Seek One. Like, oh man, y'all get a bath early. You know let's let's hurry up and eat supper so we can watch it. And then we'll just sit on the couch, huddle up together and watch Seek One, you know, their new episode or, uh, you know, I mean, there's a few others. But, you know, just just make make things like that something that you enjoy together. And, uh, and that's another word that I've used a lot. But uh, but again, I mean, that's that's how God designed it to be. He designed us to be together, you know, and uh, I think we need to put a lot of emphasis on that and uh, make it a non-negotiable that, uh, that we will be together as a family.
1: And, you know, I think some people might be listening and thinking, you know, well, their kids, you know, their kids a little older or they don't show any interest at all. You know, how do you get them from, you know, level zero to to, to wanting to be in this? And something that's really been a huge part of my journey in the last number of years has been the concept of adventure Mm -hmm. and, and cultivating a sense and a thirst and a desire for adventure Um, you know it's actually it's changed my educational philosophy it's changed a lot of things um, you know in in the way I look at life and our society and culture and you know that is that we were we were made to adventure to experience creation to to you know get our hands dirty to walk in the mud to climb up stuff just to see what's on the other side you know this is something that's ingrained into us and modern technology and culture and school seems to at times do everything that it can to squelch that concept of adventure to to you know push people into synthetic experiences digitally or, you know, oftentimes in classrooms. It's just trying to make kids as quiet and, and, um, you know, complacent as possible in order to make them more manageable so you can have bigger classes with fewer teachers and, you know, of course there are economies of scale and things involved there. But when I began to actually understand a little bit more about what adventure was and getting out and experiencing something new, something different, something that you don't have complete control over, it really started changing the way I approached just even parenting in general. And I started to, to, to get my kid interested in adventure. Um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna go out into the woods and do something. We're gonna come up with something. We're gonna go mushroom hunting. We're gonna go treasure hunting. I have gone out into the woods and you know buried little knick knack stuff and drew treasure maps that he found playing in the yard. Yeah. And then, well, oh my goodness, what are we gonna do? Well, of course we gotta we gotta follow the map. You've gotta follow the map. You've gotta figure this out and begin to just introduce this element of you know we're going to do something that has some level of adventure to it and and i'll 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 gladly give them a you know a free plug here we found the adventure agents youtube channel uh some years back and it just became a catalyst for for taking this to the next level yeah um and and just you know, they made it their business as a family to have adventures together, whether they were small, big, insignificant, ridiculous, perfectly safe in their backyard, to ridiculously dangerous. <laughs> um, you know, going down mountains and rivers and things, but you know, just just doing something to try to, you know. to to get this concept across and just kept seeding ideas into my mind of different things we can do to get kids outside, to get them to do something, to go and, you know, to just go to the park and sit there for a lot of kids is not adventure. There's no element of the unknown. There's no what's over the next horizon. There's no danger of failure. There's no danger of the elements There, there. There's no, uncontrolled variables and exploration and began to introduce more of that and even encouraging some of that uh, i began to really see it pay dividends and just what you talked about near the beginning was creativity mm. and imagination and thinking outside the box and and building stuff and 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 coming up with things and I started watching my son you know he got a uh, little Fisher price fake toy electric drill and you turn it and the thing spins but it's it's just a you know useless toy well he got it played with it for a couple of days took it apart took the motor out took the batteries out rewired it and set it up in order to to drive a motor on a cog to create a toy bandsaw that he came up with. Nice. You know, this kid's seven years old. Yeah. And I'm sitting there. Uh, part of me is like totally and completely infuriated that he just ruined you know, this toy. And then the other part of me wants to encourage it because I'm like, this matters more than the stupid fake drill. You know, this is, this is exercising the brain, going outside the box, doing things. And I think if you can begin to cultivate that sense of adventure, it is a natural next step to say, all right, we're going to do a fishing adventure. We're going to do a hunting adventure. And I think your the next book that you've got out uh, is a fishing book, right, Jack? Wait, yeah. What was the name on that? Yeah, it's
2: a Barracuda Bombshell. So uh, it's about, uh, let me just give you a quick summary of what it's about.
1: Yeah, yeah, do okay, it.
2: Okay, so uh, I don't want to spoil anything. you got to read it. But uh, it's about two boys that uh, they, their world kind of came crashing down around them when their dad got some bad news from his job and uh, ended up uh, being without a job for the summer and these boys were so excited just to spend summer on their farm but their dad had a different plan and he took them on a mission trip for the whole summer down to Haiti they didn't want to go they didn't like being there when they first got there but they ended up meeting some Haitian friends uh, that loved to fish and these boys loved to fish so they uh, struck up a friendship and ended up uh getting one of their friend's boats down there and taking it out in the cove and catching some fish. And um, while they were fishing in the cove, which their mom told them they couldn't go any further, but they were fishing in the cove and just outside the cove, they saw a giant fish jump out of the water and their minds got to turning just like any young boy's minds would get to turning. And uh, they came up with a plan to go past the cove, even though they weren't supposed to, and they found themselves in a little bit more trouble than they bargained for. So you guys got to buy the book and see how it ends. But uh, something tells me there might've been a big barracuda and uh, there might be a bombshell somewhere in the story. So uh, it's good though. And, uh, you know, again, it's it's, it's just, you know, it, it might be that a lot of kids will never experience anything like that. Most kids will probably never leave America, you know, but uh, for, for these kids in this story, uh, they are doing something incredibly big, they're overcoming some incredible challenges and what that does for kids reading that or hearing that is it increases their imagination skills to be able to think, how could I do that? And it it puts a desire in their hearts to go have that same adventure, you know? And and I think that's key, man. I think, I think if we place, if we place, uh, I don't know how to say this, like controlled or safe challenges for our kids to overcome, they're going to grow every time they do so. So, uh, you know, we go camping or something and I'm like, guys, we got to get some firewood. And, uh, so y'all go find some firewood. Well, you know, we might be walking looking for firewood and I see the perfect piece across a creek, but we didn't bring any boots or any waders. So how are we going to do it? We got it. We got to find a way to get that firewood over there because it's going to burn better and it's going to burn longer. We got to get that. Or we might be cold tonight. We got to get that. Or we might not be able to cook our food tonight. That's the piece we need. Now, there's plenty of firewood on this side of the creek, but what I'm trying to do is set up a challenge for my kids to overcome so that they'll be prepared to overcome those things, and then that'll also live rent-free in the back of their mind for a long time, you know, that their kids, their, their friends at school didn't have to overcome those challenges, but we did, and this is what we, this is how we overcame it, and I'm going to tell you, we had the best deer meat cooked over an open fire that night. We had the best s'mores, and uh, we didn't get cold, we stayed warm all night because we were able to uh, take off our shoes and carry one another across this creek and get this firewood that we needed, you know. So I think I think if you can just place uh, controlled challenges in front of your kids at a young age, I think it'll help them to grow into kids that uh, are able to do things, you know, not just, I don't know, not just like a leech on society, but kids that are able to overcome when
1: challenges face them. I think there's something to that, even if they're not at a young age, yeah. you know, even older kids, the methods may be different. The challenges may be different, but um, I think there's a lot of kids out there, a lot of teenagers that they wouldn't say it. They wouldn't come to you and tell you if you brought it up, they'd probably would recoil at it. But deep on the inside, they want something to test their mettle. No doubt. They want something to to push them. To, to do something they'd never done that they never thought they could do. Yeah. And which, you know a lot kids of kids have never gone camping, let alone in the cold. Yeah. Um, they've never done a lot of things. They've never hiked out somewhere. They've they've never covered any big difference. They they've never gotten out into the, the middle of nowhere with without a phone. Um they've they've never tried to to build something. Um you know they've never worked with tools. There's all sorts of different things. It doesn't necessarily have to be in the wilderness but to put some kind of a challenge in front of them uh to, to press them out of their comfort zone to accomplish something and then have that sense of accomplishment afterwards i think there's a way to do that for just about any age group and you know what i don't think it stops at kids either
2: yeah yeah i agree
1: there's there's a lot of times i'm out in the woods and you know i see a hill and i'm like man i wonder what's on the other side of that hill <laughs> and uh you know i'm like well there's only one way to find out so i'm climbing and huffing and sweating get to the top of that hill because i want to know i want to see i want to i want to figure out what's over the next rise and um you know there might be a good spot over there might be a good stream might be out turkey hunting today but might find a good place to hunt ducks in the fall or might find a good place to hunt deer next season you know i'm always you know just just wanting to push the limits a little bit and i think kids have gotten so comfortable sometimes with their limits that uh you know that's become a a a you know just an oddity and sometimes we need to just rock the boat a little bit we need to you know just take away some of that um some of that level of, of of comfort and safety and say hey it's time to do something different it's time to to go after something we've never done. It's time to book a trip or take a drive or something. I think there's there's so many different ways to do it. If, you, if you'll really sit down and think about your situation and, and the kids that are in your life, um, you can come up with something that will be able to spark a sense of adventure. I mean, people go bungee jumping. Uh, I mean, you never age out of that. You know, I'm not recommending you go bungee jumping either, but there's that 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 sense of adventure, that thirst to to get out there and to push the boundaries. And um kids are gonna want to push boundaries. And we can either give them constructive ways to do it or they'll find uh destructive ways to do it. Right. And I think if if we a little bit of a catalyst, a little bit of a guide and we can we can see amazing results that, that we had never thought about before.
2: And let, them, let your kids work themselves out of a jam every once in a while. You know, don't just do it for them all the time. I mean, I, we're getting away from hunting now to just like parenting. And this might just be opinion. But, uh, you know, we had, we had a uh, physics teacher in high school that he made our first test unpassable. Like everybody in the class failed. And I mean, everybody, once we realized that we were all failing, I mean, we were just up in arms. You know, we were mad at this guy. And he let us all gripe. And I mean, he let the class get to almost an uproar and then he just stopped it. He's like, hold on. Let me tell you what happened. I did this on purpose. And we're like, what? He said, the problem with you guys is that you don't know how to fail. Uh, All you've ever known is success. Now you know what failure feels like. And there's only one way to go. So, you know, I, I mean, don't let your kid fail to the point where it does like lasting damage or it hurts them physically unnecessarily. But, you know, again, if you can control the environment to a degree, let them fail in some things to where they have to overcome that failure. And, uh, and I think it just helps them be stronger, stronger citizens and stronger people and uh, stronger in the classroom, stronger once they have a family of their own. Uh, you know, just let's, let's don't raise kids to, to where we do everything for them. You know, let's, let's give them a challenge. Let's let them work themselves out of a jam and then uh, let's watch them become men and women of courage and strength and boldness, and uh, let's see let's see a society change. You know, I know most people probably listen to this podcast. Uh, you know, we're probably in the same boat about how we feel about the direction of society, and uh, and I think one of the ways we get out of that is raising strong kids uh, that can be an impact.
3: Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over one hundred thousand boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and A member FDIC. Yeah, absolutely. And and changing the paradigm from all of this this soft, you know, kids just give up and fold and, and just expect to be spoon fed to when they accomplish something they own it yeah and they they know that they had skin in the game they 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 know that you know it doesn't always work out they know that not everybody accomplishes it Mm -hmm. and hunting can and and even fishing can really provide some of those moments and it's it's not even always in taking the game but it, it, it's in the whole process, you know, sometimes just surviving the trip can be something that really, you know, sticks in a kid's mind, whether they shot anything or not. We did something crazy and went on a, a, a three-day backpacking trip into the woods to, you know, find game and whatever the case may be. And it snowed and you got all this stuff that happens. But you, you made it through, you pushed through, you got back and, um, you know, you had some, not everything went according to plan, but they improvised. they overcame, they, they made it through, they held, they held their own, they pulled their weight. And, you know, there, there's, there's a, ah, there, there's just something that we need to build and develop. Generally speaking, you know, I think in young people that, um, you know, life is not just revolve around what other people think about them on social media or you know whatever whatever game they're playing on their phone or their tablet or whatever they're watching on youtube not that i have anything against youtube but as as much that there's good stuff there's just as much and more junk and um helping them actually experience tangible real things um but i think all of that works together and and you know, you can't just you, you can't do all this stuff overnight. Sure. If if you've been taking great notes on this episode, you can't just implement all this overnight and then tomorrow have great results. It's a process. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's looking for what do you do? What's the next step? What do you introduce? What's the next challenge? How do you build some of that excitement and some of that momentum? And uh, I think it, it brings us full circle back to, to the original point. And one of the ways you can do that is through story. Because story is just adventure uh, that has been encapsulated in, in, in words. Mm-hmm. And you start reading this stuff to your kids. You start feeding that and sewing that into them. It's going to begin to build. It's going to begin to snowball. Um, you know, and I think some people look at it as, you know, that's just boring. That just takes a lot of time. I could tell you that reading some of these books has been anything other than boring. <laughs> I mean, Jack, we were reading your book, Mystery in the Marsh, and, you know, some nights we'd really get into a part or we'd really get into a section and we really, you know, we'd, we'd start reading and 15 minutes worth of reading time turned into an hour. And, uh, my kids fall asleep on the bed. He's laying there sleeping, and I'm still reading because I want to know what happens next.
2: Hey, well, you caught yeah. him back up, though, when he woke up, right?
1: Well, no, I just went back and started uh, <laughs> over again from where he fell asleep. Hey. And and some of the other books, I mean, literally, we, re- we reached the end of one of the books. And, I mean, we are just sitting there, both of us in tears, just crying, sitting on the bed, reading this book. Yeah. Because the ending was just so unbelievably powerful and so moving. And I'm sitting there, I'll be honest with you, I kind of felt like, you know, I hope he doesn't, you know, see me and and my, you know, emotional response to to what's happening in this story that we're sitting here reading on his bed. You know, it's not even real, or at least it's not really happening. I know some of these stories are, you know, draw from true stories, but we're some sitting there and hoping he doesn't see me, and I look over at him and he's just bawling, <laughs> just tears falling out of his eyes, and I'm like, holy cow! Not only is he still listening, not only does he get it, but the emotional impact and the weight and the gravity, um, you know, at seven years old, yeah. he he is. Into this thing, and it has is, it is affected him just as much, but, you know, we're not talking about boring books is the point I'm trying to say. This is not just like sitting down and reading a textbook to a kid. I mean, this is some really awesome, potent stuff, and there's times where we'd sit down, and I'll be honest with you, Jack, my plan was to just, you know, kids been running crazy all day, all night, hopped up on sugar, just you know yelling screaming my plan is get this kid to fall asleep while I'm reading right I'm going to try to just be monotone and just get this kid to pass out as fast as I can to end the night and then he's just sitting there he's like do another chapter do another chapter I'm like the further I go the more into it he gets and then I reach a point well I don't want to stop now because the story's really picking up momentum we just sit there and finish the entire book (laughs) And now we're both wide awake. I'm like this has backfired. Yeah. <laughs> uh but it's it's a rich thing, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah, and how many how many times have you ever heard too many kids beg to keep reading, you know? I mean, that's what's so good about it. That's that's when I knew like I had to do something. I had to write some stories or something to do to to cause that craving because uh when my kids would beg to read another chapter of a Lane Walker book, you know, that was exciting to me that, that they want that.
1: And you can tell it's working in them. Yeah. There's they they don't beg you to read another chapter if it's not cultivating excitement, if it's not appealing to their sense of adventure or their their imagination. Um, you know, every time that happens, that's like a little light bulb blinking that says this is working. You're like, you know, have we gone hunting yet and taken any big game? No, but this is working. This we're sowing seeds. And it's working. It's it's it, we're making progress. We're gaining ground. Um, it's the kind of thing where if you know the indicators to look for, as soon as you see them start blinking, you really say, "Oh man, this is I, this is really paying off. This is we're getting good results here." Yeah. And and that's what can really work to to build that in them. And you couple that then with the applic application. Of finding the right opportunities to get them out, setting reasonable expectations, putting them and your relationship with them ahead of, are we going to take a deer today? Because you know what, you can go out tomorrow to take a deer. You know, Um, and, and maybe I'm um, maybe I'm talking a little out of school here, but you know, kid wants to go out. You don't necessarily have to take them to your best stand and put pressure on the land there. You take them to another stand. You know, maybe you work with them to build a spot that's perfect for them. Yeah. Right? That's got lots of cover so they can fidget and they can squirm or maybe it's a ground blind and the perfect place for one. Maybe in terms of how deer spots go, you know, it's a it's a 3 out of 5. Right? But for them and where they are and what would help them enjoy the the situation the most, it's a 5 out of 5. Mm. And you prioritize that, knowing you know I still got my A plus spot that I'm saving for me on you know the the the, the right moment at the right time for me to get out. But we're going to spend months building up a spot that's right for them. And you're not doing them wrong. You're doing the most right by them you could do. But at the same time, you're still reserving uh, uh you know some room for you to get out there you know by yourself and 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 do what you want to do. Uh, while still putting them first in in a capacity and you know in in a realm of doing things. Yeah. So let me ask you, Jack, what else you got on your heart that you want to make sure that we get in tonight before we we run out of time? I'm sure all these folks listening. Well, the the beautiful thing about podcasts is you just pause it, right? right. If the show goes too long, you just pause it. You can finish listening later. So maybe some of them have already done that and they're on day two or three, but. Uh, what else you got in your heart? We want to make sure we fit in here. Uh, I mean, I
2: don't, I don't know, man. I think, I think we've covered a lot. Uh, you know, the, the main thing is, uh, I think again, just don't, don't always let the answer be no, you know, and, and include them, be together, increase, uh, uh, their imagination any way you can and, uh, encourage adventure any way you can. And, uh, and just have fun with them. You know, you only get them small for a little while. They'll they'll be hunting with their own buddies before long. So while you've got a little hunting buddy, just enjoy it. And uh, uh you know, there'll be a time when you can go kill those big monster bucks that you pattern by yourself again and uh and it won't be as fun because uh you know, you won't have your boys with you or you you know, your daughters or whatever. So just enjoy them man. Enjoy it while it's there. And uh yeah, that's about all I got. Man, go uh Go, go, go hit me up on YouTube and buy these books and read them to your kids. I, you know pass them along to your friends uh, It's not gonna hurt my feelings if you just pass them on. I didn't I didn't write them to make money. I re- I wrote them so that again so that kids could uh, grow in excitement for the outdoors and uh, and and learn some positive character traits and things like that along the way. so uh, yeah, go check them out. I got two out by the time you're hearing this Mystery in the marsh barracuda bombshell check them out on amazon and uh and then also if uh you know i mean as george has mentioned i'm a pastor and uh, i go around speak at uh you know men's events or uh different things like that so if that's something you're interested in look me up reach out and then uh we'll see if we can make that happen as well it's something i love doing uh you know i have a passion for the outdoors but i have a passion for uh the transformation power of the gospel as well and uh just seeing uh, especially how God uses, you know, a a, a manly man in the outdoors uh, to to grow in excitement for uh, the love of God.
1: It's perfect. Yep, guys, definitely. You can head to the show notes of this episode on the website, newhuntersguide.com. I will put links there to Jack's books mystery in the marsh barracuda bombshell i'll also put some links to some of the other authors and books that we were talking about today uh, as well as a way that you can get in contact with jack if, if you got questions or thoughts or feedback or if you're interested maybe in bringing him to an event near you um, to to sort of you know speak and get that message out in a compelling way to try to 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 rouse up some some parents and uh some men in order to to just pick up this charge and move it forward uh, but, Jack, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. I really do appreciate it.
2: Yeah, man, I appreciate you having me. I enjoyed it. Uh, pleasure.
1: Awesome. So, guys, make sure to head to the website, newhuntersguide.com. Check out all of the the, the resources in this particular episode. And uh, till next time, God bless you guys, and go get them in the woods.